Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Today we are speaking with Nancy Light. Nancy has a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. She's a registered nurse and also has a Master of Professional Studies. Nancy has worked in the healthcare field for over 45 years. She was the Chief Nursing Officer for Krauss Hospital in Syracuse, New York, until joining Francis House as the Resident Care Coordinator. Nancy served as Chief Operating Officer and then as Executive Director until her retirement in December of 2020. During her tenure, she mentored many individuals and developing homes in the area of the social model of hospice care. Nancy serves on the professional advisory committees for Nascentia Healthcare and Hospice of Central New York, as well as volunteering for Francis House. Thanks, Nancy, for joining us again. It's always a treat to have additional conversations with our guests. So we appreciate you coming back. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. Good. Our topic for today is end-of-life discussions. I added the S because when I think of of end-of-life, I recall so many questions I had, things I was curious about, but I know you have a specific topic or focus in mind. So for those listeners that may not have tuned into your previous episode on caregiver's grief, Would you first give our listeners a little bit of your background? Oh, sure. I'd be happy to, Kathy. So I have been a nurse for more years than I will mention on the radio because then it's forever, (laughs) you know, on tape. I've been in acute care. I did a little bit in long-term care. But for the last 23 years, I have worked at Francis House in Syracuse, um, a home for people who are terminally ill. And in that role, I was the resident care coordinator, and then ultimately I retired in December as the executive director. So I've had um, many, many very wonderful years working with people and their families who are at end of life. Yeah, and sometimes I think it's working with the families that we actually kind of get our education. Um, You know, we may see ourselves in that role or we may have been in that role. But so many times it's the families, I think, that really help us get to the heart of things. You're right. I've mentioned on other podcasts that I remember the time my mother, my father, and my husband all neared the end of their lives. And by the way, each one was entirely different than the other Mm -hmm. in so many ways. But I think of so many things that I had to do, so many decisions I might not have had to make the decisions, but I had to verbalize the decisions. And somehow verbalizing it is a commitment. You're committing to a choice. My mom's process was probably the easiest for me because she planned everything to the most minute detail. So anytime I was faced with what do we do now, I could always go to her decisions that she had made. And as we all know, anytime healthcare systems are involved, there's a myriad of documents and choices that you, if you're the primary responsible party, or maybe you're the closest in a relationship with the terminally ill person, that you have to navigate. So, Nancy, can we start with a quick review of things like healthcare proxy, living will, and what some of us know is the most form? 
Right. So let me take the living will first. And this topic of documents and forms is a a podcast all on its own. It is. But (laughs) But very briefly, a living will is a document that specifies what you do and do not want for treatment um, when the time comes that you need that. And it can be done at any time. Many people fill out a living will when they're making out their uh, regular will. Right. But it is a legal document. You can't just take a note paper and say, my living will, this is what I want to do. It's a document that has to be signed and notarized. And it, it is a living document. So um, it's, it's legal and it has to be treated as such. The most form will be the medical orders for life-sustaining treatment that in New York State is really the orders for what you want done medically right. at the end of your life or as the end of your life approaches. Do you want to be intubated on a ventilator? Do you want a feeding tube? Do you want to be resuscitated should your heart stop? So that's very specific in that regard. And usually the most form the most form gets filled out when a person has a long-term chronic illness that may be turning toward more terminal right. or they have been diagnosed with a terminal illness and they have maybe a year to two years life expectancy. That's when those conversations come up and that's right. when that kind of document generally gets filled out. Most of the time that I saw them, they were filled out in the hospital. And when someone came to us from the hospital, that's when the most form had been done. Right. Now, no matter what form, in the healthcare proxy form, I left that to last, the healthcare proxy form, you can print them off online and do it yourself. Or again, if you're having a will done, um, you can have the healthcare proxy form done at the same time. That form identifies not only what you want very simply, it's not, it's not very specific in terms of your wishes. I mean, it will ask about fluid and nutrition and so forth, but you have to specify that. But more importantly, that document is what you fill out to identify the person. And actually, you'll have two, a healthcare proxy and an alternate. Right. So the people that you want to make the decisions that you can no longer make. So the proxy form only comes into play when you cannot make your own decision about your care at that time. Right. And that doesn't have to be um, legally filed or anything. That no. Can be filled no. out in the doctor's office or the hospital right. and one of the clinicians can be witness to that document, correct? Absolutely. You can print that you can print a form online. They're pretty standard. New York State Health.gov or Health.gov New York State um, has all of these forms right. and has a lot of information about those forms. Right. So in order to make these decisions in a thoughtful manner, we have to have the conversation, but not everybody talks about their decisions, you know, goes over their decisions first. Uh, Some people, it might be in the midst of an emergency visit, and now all of a sudden they find that they they have to make these decisions now for their loved one or whatever and have no notice. You're just stunned with it. What Mm -hmm. kind of problems could this bring? Well, I think the biggest problem that can happen is that you have something done that you never would have said yes to if you could have. So I'll give you an example. I got a call from... Uh, a friend of mine whose aunt, who was in her late 90s, was in the hospital. She'd gone in because she'd had a stroke. 
And my friend was being asked, you know, we really should put in a feeding tube. She cannot swallow. You know, what, you know, what do you want us to do? You're her healthcare proxy. And she really had never had the conversation with her aunt, Mm -hmm. but she had to make the decision. So she was beside herself. As it turned out, we, she called me and I went up to meet her at the hospital and we talked back and forth. And I said, well, just tell me a few things about what your aunt has said to you in terms of doctor visits and all of that. And she said, well, she she knew that she probably had lung cancer, but she was not going to get x-rayed or anything because her response was at my age, what will I do about it? Right. So I said, you know what? She's telling you, she's telling you what her wishes are. But Still, that was, you know, you said it, uh, Kathy, that was a huge decision to have to make on the spot without having something very clear in terms of that discussion having been had earlier. Right, right. So these discussions you refer to, Nancy, when you use the phrase end of life discussions, are these the discussions you're referring to? No, actually, I prefer to call it advanced life planning or advanced healthcare planning. Okay. Because it doesn't have to wait until there's an emergency. It doesn't have to wait until someone is seriously ill. I mean, I, I think anyone, and it could be, you know, a teenager, Mm -hmm. it could be a child, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that everyone has the right to the dignity to decide what they want. And we have to allow them to voice that to the extent that they can. So at any time, it's a good idea to to know what it is you want and be able to share those feelings with the people that love you and the people that you love. Yeah. So it can it can happen at any age and really at any time. It doesn't have to wait till end of life. Yeah, I like using the word advance because it means you ought to figure these things out ahead of time and talk to people. Don't just arbitrarily put someone's name on there. Exactly. That's not fair to them to put them on a spot like that. That's right. You know, I I have an analogy. You know, if you're going to take a trip to Europe, Mm -hmm. you spend months planning it where you're going to stay, where you're going to visit, who you're going to see, what what's your flight plan going to be. All of that. And we spend no time on (laughs) what is so important. Like, what do I want at the end of my life? Because nobody likes to to talk about it. Nobody likes it. You know, there are probably, I think I read statistics, like 92% of people think that it's a really good idea to have these discussions, but only 37% (laughs) really ever have. That that probably sounds spot on. Nancy, do you think there's a right time to have this discussion and who should initiate it? The time, you, there, there is a right time. You have to sort of figure that out. But I think the person who is making the decision is the one to initiate it. And when that person um, decides that they really want to talk about this, then they gather their thoughts first to themselves. Mm-hmm. And I there's a kind of looking at, we've talked about most and we've talked about um, living will, but really this goes beyond this, this kind of discussion really gets to what are my values? What do I want? What do I feel is important to me 
in terms of my life. How have I lived my life and what has been meaningful to me in that life? And so you look and decide all of the things that are important to you and how you can make that happen to the best of your ability as the end of your life approaches. So doing some thoughtful um, introspection and really trying to figure that out for yourself, then you call together everyone who has a stake in the matter. So if you have, um, if you're the, the mom or the dad and you have four adult children, you get everybody together in the living room, in the dining room, over coffee, whatever, probably over wine in some cases, but you get everybody, everybody together, and then you can broach the subject. And very often it will be met with, oh, but Ma, we really can't, we don't want to talk about this now. I mean, let's leave it till later. I think there's this feeling that people have that if we talk about death, it will occur. Right. That's why I used to leave the room when my mother wanted to talk about yeah, it. I know, I know. And it's and that's such a human response. Right. It's just not something we want to talk no, about. No, but it's going to happen to all of us. So, <laughs> Stephanie, you are you are absolutely correct. We can't escape it. Right. We cannot escape it. And so I think to be able to say that this is how I'm feeling about this. I don't want... 20 people in my room around my bed when okay. I'm dying. I want my space. So please make sure that I have my space. People can come and go. I want my dog on my bed. Mm -hmm. I want a window where I can see my garden. Okay. I want to be able to be comfortable. I, I don't want to be in pain. I know that you cannot avoid pain completely, but I would like to be as comfortable as possible. Right. I would like people to treat me with dignity. Mm -hmm. I am a person and I'm a child of God and I am made in that image. And I want to be treated that way, whether I can respond or not respond. So you go through and think about all those things that are so important to you and then talk just talk about it and say, well, you know, what do you all think? And just let people say what they need to say. And some people will say nothing. Mm -hmm. Others will have a lot to say. And then there'll be those in the middle. Mm -hmm. But if you can at least broach the subject, and it may be a short discussion initially. Right, right. But then when you're finished, you say, okay, we really need, we, I, I need to do this. And you all need to do this for me. Mm -hmm. So let's get back together again next week. Let's have dinner. I want to finish this discussion. Right, right. And I don't know, I think it's important to hear what people feel and what they think about it, about your wishes, because you don't want to appoint a healthcare proxy who's going to make those decisions for you, who does not agree Good point. with what you want, right? Good yep. point, yeah. Right, so you have, let's see, your four children, and three of them or two of them are thinking, oh, that's great, mom. Yep, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm right there. Mm -hmm. And then there's one who's really silent. Yeah. You know, and so to try to draw that person out to say, well, what are you thinking? I, I, I just can't go along with it. I, I don't believe that. I just can't go along with it. Yeah. Well, that's okay. But now you have made everyone a part of the process. So no one feels as though one was chosen over another. Right. 
you have managed to identify who you think will most carry out the wishes that you want to the best of their right. ability. Right. And then you can have that further discussion with that person in terms of making them your, your healthcare proxy. Right. But to to broach the subject is um, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But it, and maybe you start by saying, you know what? Has anybody thought about what they would like? Mm -hmm. You know, if they were told they were going to die in the next six months, have you right. thought about it at all? And begin to just talk about it. Right, yeah. And not get to the nitty gritty immediately, but just right. talk about it. Well, and I, yeah. I think too, if you're just, you're all around the table and you're having cake and wine or whatever. Right. And I think that first initial conversation is good. Maybe it kind of opens everybody up a little mm -hmm. bit, but then mm -hmm. say, I think you should save the more nitty gritty for later yeah. because you know, right. when people are going home that night, they're going to be mulling over the conversation and over the next exactly. week or whatever, you know, if you say, let's have dinner next week and talk about it more, they're going to, now these thoughts are going to pop up in their head. And I think they're right. more, they'll be more willing to say something else again when you meet again later. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, I wanted to just have everybody for a second, take it from the perspective of, uh, so if you're a son or daughter, okay. And your mom father starts having this conversation. We all know that if you have to make the, these decisions in an emergency or whatever, and you haven't had this conversation, even if you think you know what, what their wishes might be after the death happens, you're still going to have some of those guilt things pop up into your head. Mm -hmm. Did I do the right thing? Did I make the right choice? Would he have been happy mm -hmm. with what I did? So mm -hmm. this kind of nips it in the bud. I, you know, so take right. it from the other perspective and know that you, you might not have to second guess yourself. Now, this is what right. dad or what mom wanted. And wanted. you can, yeah. and you can be confident in the fact that you made the right decision and you might not have a little bit of guilt after. And it might save some conflict too. Right. Siblings, especially. Right. Because you're merely following the wishes of your parents. Yes. Whoever right. it was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think both those points are exactly right. In all my years, you know, I've seen many situations where um, brothers and sisters don't agree on yeah. treatment. A spouse may make a decision that the siblings do not yep. agree with because there's been no conversation. And you're right that whether it's the guilt being relieved or hard feelings mm -hmm. being mitigated, you know, when when someone is critically ill and approaching death, all emotions just, as you both well know, just get so heightened. Yes. You yep. know, your, your mind is just full of everything right. and you're not able to, to really think very well, right. Right. you know, cause you're too, it's too close to you. It's too emotional. So having had these decisions made ahead of time removes all of that. Yeah. Now you can just be, yep. just right. be with the person you love and not have to think about right. arguing over what you should or should not do. Yep. Yeah, it's actually like giving your, your family members a gift. Mm -hmm. You're giving yes. them a gift of peace and serenity that they're not forced to make decisions hastily, not knowing what you want. Right. So it's awkward and everything, but boy, what a gift to just not have to make those choices. Yep. It, it really is. And the same thing is true with funeral planning. You know, if you can do that yourself, then you do what you want. Yep. And your your loved ones just carry out 
your plan. They don't have to decide exactly. what to do. And, and, and it's a terrible thing to have to make all of those decisions in the immediate aftermath of a death. Yeah, it's just yeah. so difficult. Yep. Yeah. That's what I went through with my husband. He would, re he refused to talk mm -hmm. about anything mm -hmm. at all like that. So I had to make the choices. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty confident I made the right ones, mm -hmm. but still it was just an added burden at that time when I really didn't need anything else added on. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 Okay. So the forms that you sign in the hospital or at your doctor's office, you, you file them away. Um, maybe you even want to store a digital copy, um, or scan a copy. Some people might want to have it like screenshot on their phone or something. So they have immediate access to it, but mm -hmm. where or how can the results of this end of life discussion you've had with family members be saved or be available for when it might be needed? Right. So I think the, the most important thing to do is always to have a copy in your wallet or on your person of your healthcare proxy. Always have that available. So the first thing they're gonna say if you can't respond is, well, does she have a healthcare proxy? Mm -hmm. So that information is immediately available. Contact information is there. Then the healthcare proxy should A, know what your wishes are because you should have had this discussion, but also have a copy of your uh, final wishes, whatever they are. So if it's a most form, if it's a living will, if it's the, um, and I'm going to talk in a minute about something called the five wishes, which okay. is also, um, it's, it goes beyond the medical uh, side of things. But if that is filled out, then your healthcare proxy should also have the availability of that document, because then it's, something they can get their hands on right away. Okay. Um, they're going to be called upon immediately if you're not able to to respond to to treatment so, or to um, uh, answer questions yourself. Mm -hmm. So I would say the first thing you want to have is your healthcare proxy on your person. Just have a copy of that right there. And then in a safe place at home, whether it's a, a firebox or a safe or someplace that's safe that your healthcare agent can access, have your living will, have your um, most form. If you use the five wishes, that really replaces the living will, or you put on your living will, see the five wishes, because you shouldn't right. have conflicting documents. That's the other thing. Yeah. If you have documents filled out at different times, be sure that you're looking at least every year at those documents, A, to be sure that it's still what you want, mm -hmm. and B, to be sure there's no conflict, because then that's that's terrible. Right. You know, yeah. You know. yeah. Okay. So is it time? Tell us about the five wishes. Okay. So I will just say that this is um, a program that came from a, a, an organization called Aging with Dignity. Okay. And it's a very um, extensive document. It doesn't, you can't fill it out in a couple of minutes. It takes real thought and it probably takes, um, I don't know, it took me a couple of days to really think about it and, and fill it out. But it's um, easily available online. You can you can fill it out online if you want to or print it off. You have to pay for it. I think it's like 10 bucks. Oh. Or you can order a whole kit, which comes with five copies of the five wishes. Also, um, instructions and ideas about how to start having end-of-life care conversations oh, okay. with your family members. So it's a whole little kit that you can get together. 
And um, it really talks about what you want in terms of um, your end of life. And it reflects your values. So it's saying, um, let me just, I'm going to grab it here. So I, it took, first of all, it goes, wish number one, who can I make my healthcare agent? Mm -hmm. And it really makes you think about who is that person that I want to make those decisions for me. And then it goes on to explain what you should consider when you're selecting a healthcare agent. Then wish number two is what kind of treatment do I or do I not want? So it does get into artificial nutrition and hydration, um, intubation, all those things that we think about medically. And I want to just say, because I think it's important, sometimes people can fill out these documents with an idea in their head of what these statements, uh, what these um, words mean, like someone says, well, don't pull the plug. Well, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm not a light. I'm not a light switch. You know, pulling. What does pulling the plug mean? Right. Or you know, um, they might they might say something that's just a common phrase that we're all used to. But right. it, you need to know what does that mean to right, that person. Right. You yeah. know, when you say that, right? So the five wishes: what I do, what I don't want. Wish number two, in terms of all of that medical treatment, and it's you know life support. What does that? What does life support mean? Or in case of an emergency, if I'm close to death, if I'm in a coma, if I have another condition that is not likely to end my life, I mean, how do I want that treated? Right. So it's very, it's very thoughtful. And I will, let me just jump in here and say, I'm not getting anything back from the five wishes for plugging this. It's just, right. I think it's a really good document right. to use. It's a great guide. If oh, nothing yeah. Else. It's a, it's a guide. And Kathy, you said that, and I'm just going to, I tend to digress, but let me just jump in and say also that if you're planning on filling out what you do and do not want medically, you should really have a good discussion with a healthcare provider that you can sit down with and, and talk to and say, okay, you know, you've just yes. told me that my uh, chronic obstructive airway disease is getting worse and there's not a whole right. lot more I can do. I know I need to do something about what my right. wishes are. Can you help me with the information? Can you help me with the terminology? Right. And make sure you don't leave things out or say things that would be confusing Exactly. Further on down the road. Yeah. Well, I I think with the most form, a doctor has to sign it once it's doctor completed. has to sign it. You yeah. can have a nurse or another healthcare professional help you fill right. it out. Right. They can explain it, but a doctor does have to sign yeah. the most. Yeah. Absolutely yep. right. Yep. And the same thing with the DNR and a non-hospital exactly. DNR. Yep. yep. So wish number three: How comfortable do I want to be? And that you know that's important. If I think I'm depressed or if I um, am short of breath or I have hallucinations, you know, I want my caregivers to help address those problems. Right. So it's very specific in terms of your comfort mm -hmm. that you have. And wish number four is how do I want people to treat me? And right. as I said, you know, I want to be treat with, treated with dignity. So that's, you know, that's a key for me. Mm -hmm. And then wish number five is, my wish for what I want my loved ones to know, oh. what I want them to know. For instance, I wish for all of my family members to make peace with each other before my death, if they can. Okay. Yeah. You know, so it's got um, a whole bunch of uh, items like that. So it is a, 
It is a legal document. It can be signed and witnessed once it's filled out and then you have the copies, but it's a very good guide to talking about more than just, I want it, don't pull the plug or pull the plug. It goes way right. beyond that to um, what's really important right. and thinking about um, what's important to you at the end of your life. Yeah. You know, that's really great information. Stephanie, I think you and I need to have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Our minds are usually on the same wavelength. So. I know. But no, we <laughs> should sort it out just to be sure. Yeah. I, you know, it, you know you, when we talk about all this, I keep thinking to myself, I haven't done that. I haven't done that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I better get going here. Um, you know, and speaking, you know, I might think I haven't done that. I know we talk about doing it near end of life, but just as parents, especially new parents, think about, oh, what if something happens to us right. in an accident or something? What ha We don't want our children to be in the foster system. Right. right. So, you know, they make a concerted effort to make a decision about who might take over as guardians and everything. Well, maybe about the same time you're talking about that, it might not hurt to have some of these other discussions as well, yeah. because right. some of what happens might become part of your children's memories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, That's should a good anything point, like Kathy. that, you know, mm -hmm. so why not? You know, it wouldn't be your children if they were young, it wouldn't be them that made the decision, but they certainly would have memories about this difficult time anyway. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. anything you can do to kind of make that a little more peaceful would be important. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Don't think everything is for the old people. Nope. No, because we all know that things can happen before we're ever ready. I Absolutely. feel like we all know someone in our network who's had someone way younger than we would have thought some, some accident or something happen. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, yep. Oh, and it makes you stop yep. for a second. And and when young people too, I mean, very often that's when you get into the whole idea of organ and tissue donation, yep, and that is a horrible thing. But it ha it happens in the ER. You know, it happens absolutely. immediately, and you have to make a decision. And if you have had some discussion and know what that young person's thought is on that, right? It, it's got to make it so much easier for the person having to make that decision. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, as all of our episodes go, sadly, our time grows short today. Before we go, Nancy, like last time, we want to give you a moment just to speak freely directly to our listeners without us leading you with questions or, <laughs> or perspective. So um, this is your time, whatever you would like to share with people. Oh, thank you, Kathy. Well, I, I think I would just want to emphasize, because I, I really don't think you can say it often enough how important it is to make these kinds of plans, to think about what you really want to happen to you when you can no longer make your decision. Think very carefully about who that person is, who you are going to appoint, because it's a huge responsibility and um, an extreme amount of trust that that person will, in fact, carry out your wishes and not countermand because there's they just don't have the ability within themselves to carry out the wishes. So just always have the, don't worry about having the discussion. Stephanie said it, start off small, have just a general round table about, you know, what does everybody think about this? You know, I know it's a crazy subject and we don't want to talk about it, but you know what, here it is. We're going to pay taxes in April. So we may as well talk about this now because it's not going to go <laughs> right. away. 
right. and, and really look at your documents, get the ones you need, get them properly filled out, and then review them every year to be sure that they still reflect who you are at that time, because our lives change yep. and who we are today will probably not be who we are in a year from now necessarily. So just to be, to be sure to try to keep everything up to date. Right. Thanks. Okay. To wrap up, I want our listeners to know that Nancy mentioned five wishes or is it five final wishes? No, the five wishes, the five wishes. I'm sure that if you Google or if you visit Amazon or any of those Mm -hmm. other favorite places you go on the internet, you probably can find books or many other resources that really would accomplish the same thing. Mm -hmm. So find one that works for you. And another thought, just like we love to have family gatherings that are fun, maybe you could have fun with this. Maybe get five copies or six copies, however many you need, and everybody sit down and complete them together. Mm -hmm. And then it's done and everybody can share. So that might be a way to kind of circumvent some of the ickiness, Mm -hmm. so to speak, of the discussion is to make it a family project. And it even gets the younger ones in the family to have that decision out there as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And they can be a part of the conversation, which in a lot of ways is an early education for them about these situations that are all part of life. And somehow that mystery and that fear can go away just Mm -hmm. by having honest discussions. Mm -hmm. You know your family best, so find what works. Well, again, sadly, we're out of time for today. We hope that you'll come back again next week because we're really getting used to doing this once a week and releasing episodes on Tuesday morning. Thank you, Nancy, again. It's always fun having these discussions. I learn so much. I usually get a whole different perspective of things. So everyone, remember what we tell you almost every week. Take care of yourself. Self-care is very, very important. It's important to you. It's important to your family, your loved ones that you're with. Take care of yourself and tune in again next week as we all continue to live in grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.